This is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! The only podcast where the host actually admits to driving a minivan. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be And now your host, TJ. And here we are, episode 20 of the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. Episode 20? Episode 20. Did you ever think we'd make wow. it that, I'd make no, it that I, far? I honestly didn't give you that much credit. No, but it's been what? I, we started, I started in November or December, and 20 episodes later, yeah, we've taken, I've taken some breaks in there. Got it. Yeah, I'm not consistent with the show. I got it. Try to change that, but life gets in the way. So, so I feel like it's kind of like, you got to be old enough to remember this. Like when you're watching Moonlighting, you never knew when you were going to get a new episode and they just show up periodically. So anyway, it's Monday night. I'm here with Hat Guy Pat. We we settled our contract negotiations. We're playing. We're paying him in Goldfish Crackers. I'm, this on, week, I'm so. on a one-show contract right now. You're on a one-show contract mm-hmm. right now. and Yeah, holdout ends I, after. It begins again after this. Well, like, we're paying you in Goldfish Crackers this week, so we're okay this time. So I have two kids, so that's a good thing. It is. And... Um, my usual partner in crime of late is Conspiracy Chris, or the soccer Brightberg, call him whatever you will. He's not here because he's in Jamaica getting, and he got married this weekend. So he congratulations, did? congratulations yeah. to Conspiracy Chris. No, it's not a conspiracy. She actually said yes. So I had, by the way, I wrote uh, the Arsenal Football Club a email good month or two ago asking them if they would send a hearty congratulations their way and they did they sent a letter signed by unai emery uh congratulating them on their or at least uh, his auto pen anyway right it, probably just his auto pen but yeah congratulating them on their uh holy matrimony so um so, thank you arsenal for that and uh congrats to chris who just got married so chris when you hear this we at least acknowledged you're you're not being here this week. I'm sure he'll be back and he'll have some conspiracies for us the next time we record, whenever that may be. So, again, like last time I, with Chris, we're gonna keep this. I'm gonna keep this one to as close to 60 minutes as possible. And in the spirit of U.S. Fan TV, mm-hmm. I feel like we've got to start with the U.S. Men's National Team and the three nothing ass-kicking at the hands of Mexico and New York City this past weekend. I will I guess tell New, you... I guess New, I shouldn't even say New York City. It was in New Jersey, but same mm-hmm. difference. I'll tell you this. It was in the entire time I've watched this team. So, God, it's more than 15 years now. Um, the least excited I've ever been about a U.S.-Mexico match going in. And not just because I felt like we were going to be beaten. Obviously, we were beaten pretty badly. Um, but I just had a bad taste in my mouth with the whole, hey, we just played them, but we're going to play them again in a very obvious cash grab. And I, I know there's a counter argument to that. I understand it. But I had a bad taste in my mouth going in. And the game did nothing to solve that. And And I'm at the point now with... U.S. soccer, where I, I'm not Chris, right? I'm not. It's it's not a vast conspiracy, and it's it's not like everything is is bad. But um, so I understand this was just a friendly. This was a meaningless friendly. Greg was trying his his uh, preferred 
option of playing out of the back consistently, um, which, you know, what better time to try it than in a friendly against, uh, a t- against a team that's arguably at this point, arguably better than you. So you're trying, I don't you're not think trying there's to... an argument. They are better. Than the well, United that's States what I meant. I, yeah, I, I guess that they are better, but when you, if you do it against somebody like Panama or Curacao or Jamaica, you can't truly it, tell maybe how good, yeah, it, it, whether it's going to work or not. And I think I feel like the other part of it is you find out that these, these, especially these younger guys, find out how much faster the decisions have to be, how much faster the play is against a good team. And I'm not, you know, I, I've used this analogy I know on US Fan TV, and I talk about this periodically with other sports. But I, I can remember in a spring training game, watching Randy Johnson get lit up for like eight runs against mediocre second-team hitters. And you're sitting there going, how does that happen? This is Randy peak Randy Johnson. He threw nothing but change-ups. Never threw one fastball, one slider, which were his two pitches. I feel, I feel like a bit for Triple G, this is exactly what he was going for. We're going to keep playing this style. Even if they figure it out, we're going to keep doing it anyway because I want to see, how number one, how they respond. And number two... I want them to see against a good team how much faster this has to be. And here's the thing, though. Okay. And I I applaud him for sticking to his guns and playing this way. If that's the way he feels like we should play, I I, I guess I I can applaud him. And I actually do like. I think playing out of back is beautiful when you're. I don't know Barcelona, but we're not good. And I think mixing it up with a long goal kick now and then could have definitely taken the pressure off those guys and may have made a difference in the game. And, but and maybe, but I, again, I don't know that we're going to be good enough to play this way again. I don't think like we, I don't necessarily think so either. But in a game that matters, you probably would see some of that. You would see variety. But this is a, this is the opportunity. Okay, now they they know you're doing it every time, so they're going to keep pressing. They're going to keep pressing higher and higher up the field. And it's going to force it. It was kind of like you're squeezing each other. You're making the the grouping tighter and tighter and forcing it to be more and more precise. I don't think, you know, you get your ass kicked because of it and it pisses everybody off. Yeah. But again, it's a meaningless friendly. This is where you try different things. This is no different than a spring training game or an NFL preseason game. This is where you try the things you want to see what there is to see before you get games that matter. That's why you didn't see that you didn't see this type of play in the gold cup you saw closer to what the u.s has always played this is where you try this stuff now that said now we can start talking about the year the prior year that was wasted and i felt they did a lot of experimenting with formations players styles things like that but it wasn't triple g doing it so triple g didn't get a first-hand view he got to watch film which i think i would like to hope helped a lot but it, it, I, I know it's not quite the same. So I feel like now he's trying to, you know, it's kind of like he's getting closer to the night before the exam, so he's cramming. Sure. So I think the style that the U.S. has played traditionally is only going to get them so far. I think if you want to win on any sort of level consistently at a higher level than what they are, you have to you have to have this tool. And for years, they haven't had this tool to play. You know what? It's crazy that the the different messages that this organization is sending, because on one hand, 
from a ticket price standpoint, the, they're telling us that this is a big deal. Greg is telling us that he's going to try this this way of play and and it's whether it you know like he said after the game he was happier with this with this outcome than he was the tighter game for the gold cup final because we played the way he wanted to play which you know pissed a lot of people off it sounds like something a u8 coach might say uh where it makes sense at that level it it doesn't i don't know that i necessarily buy into it against our main rival um where you know the mexican fans are are laughing at how bad the u.s is again it's it sucks and but then if you're going to truly do this and you're playing for the, you know, for the future and to develop the, the young players, why are Will Trapp and Giassi Zarda still out there? Is it just cause you like a cronyism type thing where you, you know, you've got these guys that uh, you feel like maybe you owe something to because you coach them in Columbus or I, well, I don't know. We, it, well, who, I mean, why was Will Trapp out there? If Tyler Adams is there, is Will Trap out there? If Michael Bradley is there, is Will Trap out there? I don't know that Greg sees uh, Tyler Adams as a center mid, but I do. Um, it, you know, it, there was that whole right back thing that he he was doing. Um, yeah, and and Michael Bradley obviously wasn't there because Toronto's in the playoff race and and they didn't want to release him. Same with Altidore. So we got. You know, well, for all the shit got, that that Josie and and Bradley get, Will Trap and Giassi's artists are like the light version, like the the diet version of well, of and, Bradley and Altador. Again, know? you're trying to play a style of play. You're going to have you're you're not going to have the same eleven guy. We we talked about this off air because we we're talking about you know John Brooks being hurt, not playing, and he's already been sent back, and so on. And we can more on the the five that were sent back in a minute, but. You're going to need to have some depth. You have a style of play. Will Trap, what better horse is going to probably factor in some of that squad depth? See how we can handle this. Or see how badly he's going to get exposed. So you can see what your limitations are when he's on the field. You can't do, you can't do it at half speed. You know, and again, I, you know how I like to jump to other sports. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears and, oh, things were great in practice. Things were looking so good. This offense is going to impress you. And when it got turned up to 100% speed, they weren't ready. I think that's the same type of thing that Triple G is looking to do here. Play it out of the back at 100% speed. Play it on mad, in all Madden mode, for, exa- for lack of a better term, and let's see what you have. And even with Will Trapp, you have to see how badly he is exposed so he can see where he has to adjust things when Will Trap is on the field. You can only see so much in film. You need to have a full speed game. In Mexico, they didn't bring a B lineup, that's for damn sure. No, that was a much better lineup than we faced in the Gold Cup final. So Correct. And that and so you get to you get to see that. You're I mean, and I, I saw somebody and I can't remember where I saw it, I so I can't give credit and I apologize for that, but basically US is US is coming out of a dark generation for lack of a better term. The, the, the last group, obviously, they didn't qualify for the World Cup. We talked about it extensively on US Fan TV. They weren't good. There's not a lot of talent in that range, and that's why you get stuck with, after Altador and Bradley, you get stuck with Will Trapp and Giassi Zardes types. And and even a couple of years old, there's nobody behind them or you know, about in that area. Are you positive we're coming out of it right now? 
I am. But I'm not. I am. When I look at, and I'm not talking this year. I'm talking the 19, 20, 21 year olds. Yeah, I think we're coming out of it. I, I yeah, I think with the the number of young kids we have playing in Europe in the Bundesliga specifically, that's amazing and should pay off for the national team. But um, from what I've seen on the field, I don't know yet. Well, again, you're talking about 19, 20, 21 year olds, and that aren't Lionel Messi. They're not, you know. Cristiano Ronaldo—they're—they're not that—they're not that level of talent. They never will be. Although Pulisic, the more I see him, he—he's not going to be that. But he's—the more I see him, the more as he impresses me more. He used the bright spot for sure. He—he certainly was on a bad night. He was a bright spot. As much as you could call one. Incredibly technical. Um, And he really is. Yeah. He doesn't. The one drawback to him right now on a national team level. And this actually isn't, this is true of late and he hasn't even played that much of late, but he doesn't have the same ability to bag a goal out of nothing like a Donovan or or Dempsey could. But if you go back to world cup qualifying, he was doing that all the time more than anybody else on the team. So I I know that that's there. It just isn't manifesting itself right now, but from a, like I've never seen an American player who can dribble like him at dribble at guys like him and consistently get by him. It's you want to say part of it. Part of it was with the last round when he was scoring goals, he was getting set up with the ball in places. He didn't have to do 55 different things. He only had to do a couple things before he was getting into a scoring area. Right. Because like the passes he was receiving from one Michael Bradley were technically better than what he's seeing right now from one will trap and Imagine that. he's more he, he's he's known to everyone now and the CONCACAF way is to just kick the crap out of him sure um and, and mexico definitely did that i mean from what i saw from the game and i was a drill so i will be the first to admit i did not watch every minute i didn't take notes or anything like that but from my, everything i saw yeah he got he got beat down quite a bit in that game so you might want to get used to it because that's what they're going to keep doing to him I think he's used to it by now. So I, I agree. I, I do agree with that. So anyway, um, pretty much a dumpster fire. But like I said, we'll see. We'll see what comes out of it. I mean, we'll see if they, if this is the beginning of his style actually working, or they like said is he going to keep tinkering with things, and then when it comes down to qualifiers, he's going to do a lot more reverting back to normal U.S. style. Maybe with some of this thrown in as like an extra trick in the bag. I guess I. I still have confidence in Greg Berhalter. I know some people already saw, oh, he needs to go away. They all need to go away. Kill them all. Get rid of them all. Blah, blah, blah. Because Twitter, you know, is such a warm and friendly place. Yeah, I, I don't um, want to fire the guy. And I, I know that there's a lot of people that do, probably already do. And I know that there's a lot of people concerned about the, uh, you know, the, the fact that his brother's the COO, which I, I and maybe, maybe running the whole organization as soon as what? next week when Dan Flynn leaves. Yep. Um, it, yeah, that that's concerning to me. Um, Cause you know, what if Ernie Stewart wants to fire Greg Berhalter? Who's he got to talk to about that? So it, it, it's that, that whole thing is concerning to me, but um, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. He's who we've chosen and we should 
ride this out a little bit longer and see what he can do. But, and, and, and I, 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 like I said, I kind of appreciate that he stuck to his guns and, and wanted to play out of the back. It's something we've seen uh, at Arsenal with Unai Emery too, almost to a fault. The Unai Emery did that against Liverpool, the best pressing team on the planet. And it didn't work well at times. And so, but you know what? That's the way he wanted to play. So well, I, I and and again and again now we're you're saying you know Liverpool's a great. What's Mexico style of play? They're a pressing team. They always have been. Yeah, it and this is like Mexico. I don't know. It, it's it's a very tactically improved Mexico too because I think they've got a uh, absolutely phenomenal coach that we should have hope you know perhaps given more thought to, but he apparently doesn't speak great English. And that was a, that was a disqualifier for him in, in Tata Martino. But, um, but yeah, they got themselves a coach and uh, I think they're, they're probably going to continue to do good things. I, I think they're, they're probably nearing the end of their golden generation, but you know, with, with players like El Chuki coming up now, it's maybe it just continues for them. And it's, it doesn't seem like, you know, from a individual standpoint, we've we've got a, guy, a lot of guys in Europe that can maybe match them at the club level. But from a team standpoint, they are light years ahead of us right now. I and and you're you're 100 right. Like is that you said it right? This is a golden generation for Mexico. And I, yeah, I think you're right. The, their best shot might have been this past World Cup. Yeah, and, I, I I don't you know these things sort of ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. As they have, like, you know, there was a decade or so where we were actually the better team. But despite what their fans will tell you, but uh, right now that is not the case for sure. So, no, and, and, and I and I don't think I don't think realistically as you move towards this next round of qualifying and the Nations Cup or whatever they call it and Nations League, they're not beating Mexico is not you, you got to look at right now is just being better than Costa Rica and being second again. And being and thinking that's about it's the best fine. you're going to do, which yeah. is about the best you're going to do right now. So probably, but you never know, right? Like right. Mex- Mexico nearly missed in 2014, and we missed in 2018. And I don't think either of those were really expected. So you never you can you can botch these things pretty quickly in a hex format, and true. Um, we'll see. So okay, so tomorrow night. So when if you're listening to this, by the time I get everything recorded, it'll be later today. It'll be on Tuesday. You have Tuesday, right? Yeah. They're going to play Uruguay in St. Louis mm-hmm. at, at Bush Stadium. Now, this is not a top Uruguay squad. Not yeah, really. but it's still Uruguay. So it's still Uruguay. They can bring their B team, and it's guys you still know. Sure. Five guys left the side. Um, John went back to their clubs. Polisic, Zach Steffen, John Brooks, Alfredo Morales, and Sean Johnson. I guess, uh, you know, the, what comes to mind, the only – Comes to mind, you will. I think you'll see a lot of Josh Sargent tomorrow night. Well, you better. I mean, he's in St. Louis. It's 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 got to be the easy yeah, play, right? I, I didn't even think of that, but yeah, I, I think um, I think you'll see him. I, I really do. And it, but only seventeen thousand tickets sold. Is yeah, in, in a city that, as I pointed out before we started recording, uh, Chris and I went down for the Vinci Heat qualifier, the St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, U.S. qualifier in God, what would it have been now? Yeah, it was pre hex for the last round, so t- probably five years ago. Yeah, we'll say, and, and it was a sellout. And 
they sold out, I believe they sold out a women's national team game at Bush or came close to it. Um, they're getting an MLS team. They have more soccer history than most places in this country. And if they're not turning out, it tells you something. And I haven't looked at ticket prices, but I have some some suspicions where it might be. And also it's not, you know, you know, Pulisic being sent home isn't going to help. Suarez not being there isn't going to help. Um, True. So, it, you know, it, it'll probably get over the the 20,000 mark, depending on the weather and everything. But um, that's kind of disappointing, I think. So, it, but. And I, I was going to ask, and you, you said you saw the game, and it was um, November of 2015, so it was four, almost four years ago now. Okay, yeah. And how are the sight lines for that? There, it's it's Everything feels kind of... Uh, you want the stands to be a little steeper mm-hmm. for a soccer game. Everything feels kind of like flat and out like they are for baseball games, and sure. it doesn't make for the best sight lines but the atmosphere was pretty great because it was packed and there was a lot of fans there that were pretty excited so and then being st louis all those fans dissipate and all the atmosphere dies and you're left with a vacant downtown interesting because st louis is boring (laughs) wow how do you really feel pat i'm I'm i take it you're not a fan of things in st louis like like conspiracy chris I am not a fan of St. Louis's downtown. Ball stadium, ballpark village or stadium village. Ballpark village is fine. The stadium's cool. That's it. And okay. I wish it was cool. Like I, it should be cooler. It's okay. just not. So maybe it will right. be someday. Maybe you never know. It's one of those things. Um, any pre- now, if if US Fan TV was still if Google, if Google hadn't taken away the toys we needed to make that work, would we? Realistically, probably would have tried to do a show after the Mexico game. Would we have done one after this one? After, I mean, yeah, probably. Okay. It, you know, we tended to do shows after national team games. Sure. Um, Mexico would have been probably just me because you two were both unavailable. But, um, well, if I maybe I would have found a way to try to do it at that point. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, you never know what I would have um, been able to do. But yeah, I don't know. We might have. It's just, it's gotten to the point where I I need to sit down and figure out if there is a, and the last time there was like this window, remember where for like two months there was a, they took away the, the Google Hangouts thing that we used to, basically we could go live with one person for a show and talk to the, the people that give comments, but um, I couldn't bring in you or Chris. Sure. And because we used Google Hangouts and they took it away. And then they brought it back miraculously and we did like five or six final shows, I guess. And then it went away again. And there are other ways to do it that we could um, invest in some in a program that is quite a bit of money that does a nice job. There's a way of feeding Skype into OBS back into YouTube that I played with and was not at all happy with. Okay. It would have required me basically not talking and, and switching the show the whole time. Or we stay on a three shot forever. And I just didn't like it. So, um, yeah, I don't yeah. know that, but then again, but then again, you lose the close ups of me. So that would be an advantage if you have to just only see a third the whole time. Probably, especially, we always liked when you were feeding the baby from your That's teeth. true. Cause the baby was at least cute. So, mm-hmm. um, true. true. 
so we're still so basically us fan tv is still on hiatus right now we'll just say yeah, we'll, just we say, might... we'll just say it's on hiatus. um what, what do they call it uh one of college professors doing doing uh research or whatever that's where we are right now yeah it's like <laughs> a michael jordan retirement sure or a landon donovan retirement to use a soccer reference you don't know that it's dead. You think there's a very good chance it could come back, but we just don't know when. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and my next question, I'll lead into my next question, because we're talking about into the future. How many more lawsuits will be filed against U.S. soccer between now and then? This is a nonprofit organization charged with growing soccer in the United States and, and running our, our national teams, and they can't stay out of legal trouble like you're you know any big organization is going to have a fair amount of lawsuits against it and you know, every every corporation has many open lawsuits against it so it's not unusual but it just seems the way they go about certain things they almost dare people to sue them or bring this stuff on the, the way they handle things and is is that the case or is the case that these other parties feel they're, that U.S. soccer is in a weak position right now for whatever well, that's reason. that's definitely the case with, with some of the lawsuits, right? Like the the Hope Solo lawsuit or the – sorry, the Hope Solo lawsuit or the, the women's national team lawsuit. The frustrating thing, as I've talked about many times, is, is neither side has, has been very transparent or forthcoming with the real facts in the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so because – U.S. soccer is bad at public relations. They're getting killed in the public size because it seems like they're not paying the women as much as they're paying the men, and the women just won the World Cup and the men didn't qualify. There's obviously, as we don't, and we don't need to rehash this. There's a ton of factors going into that, and and sure, the men make more in certain categories, but the women get a salary. Um, U.S. soccer could have probably effectively argued that, and I think their 990s show that most of their highest paid players are women, but. Um, they, instead of handling that openly and honestly, they handled it in, in sort of a, a quick statement well after the women have dominated the, um, the court of public opinion. And, and therefore, um, and, and even then, like not just from a PR standpoint, but as we've talked about too on, on US Fan TV, it just seems insane that when you're sitting on that much cash that you can't bump them up a little bit and make them happy and make the whole you're not paying equally thing go away. I know they just, I know they just negotiated this deal like two years ago. I know that. And I know it seemed like a dirty play to go do this right going into the world cup, but you didn't see it coming. You, you, you couldn't have said, Hey, we're going to give you this bonus. If you win the world cup, like we're, we're going to supplement what, what FIFA should be doing. Sure. And I feel like maybe that's, the answer, I, you know, I, I think Conspiracy Chris and I were talking about this when we were out the other night. And um, Is that what we're officially calling him? Well, soccer, or the soccer Breitbart. Either one works, but Conspiracy Chris will work for this, I think, for as we're, as we're, discuss, we're discussing um, some, of this, some of these type of things. And my, suge- my suggestion is you almost have to make it as you almost have to for you you want to see fifa do like the the u.s open tennis tournament does like tennis is probably the best at it in terms of equal pay 
you get paid the same. You tell your sponsors when you're dropping your money in, you will be paying for both. Maybe you cut some of this, the money out of the men's game and you put the money in the women's game. And you make those equal. Period. Full stop. End of story. Now, as I say that, the other catch is the men's tournament's bigger. There's more teams. The there's more games. Vastly bigger and, and, and out earns the women's tournament. But that doesn't mean you, that doesn't mean you can't sit there and say but when they're making billions off a tournament and the sure. the prize pot is only forty or fifty million, they could definitely subsidize the women for a while. And that's what I'm until the and women's game instead of buying themselves level. gold watches and stuff. Yes, yes, it doesn't matter that the yes the men's tournament is bigger and yes it, it draws more eyeballs around the globe and makes a ton more money. But the amount they make off that thing could you, and absolutely then, subsidize the women and, then and their prize pool. And then realistically, the next question is, if you reduce the men's prize pool, what's going to what's it going to change? Yeah, there's still a bunch of billionaires or millionaires, you know, like not billionaires, obviously, but but millionaires uh, that, you know, it it's just like you're, you're really, you know, like what did what did Kylian Mbappe do with? The money. I think he donated some to charity. He did. He, he's a, I think he donated all of it. I think he donated all of it. But yeah. What did Pogba do with his money? What did Griezmann do with his money? These are like really rich and famous players that that probably didn't need that bonus. Whereas, you know, what could Ashlyn Harris do with that money? Well, let's she go. Let's go further down the food. Probably throw a big party. Down. Well, that's true, and then it'd be probably on Instagram, and they, yeah, that'd be, yeah, be tremendous. Yeah. Um, the who did the? Now I'm gonna blank on this, and I know you'll know the answer. Who did they throttle thirteen to nothing in the first game? The women. Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. What could those women do with money that's substantial? Or or any could, of the federations that aren't paying their women at all, or aren't even funding the teams at all. Correct. I mean, what what which was it Trinidad and Tobago that? They had to have a GoFundMe to get them to the CONCACAF tournament. Like they I don't got remember, stuck. But it doesn't surprise me, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the this, land of Jack Warner. As recently as yeah. two or three years ago, Argentina, they weren't they were shuttling them back after a game because they didn't want to pay for hotels for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and things like that. So that's I guess if you want to do equal pay, yeah, you're gonna have to subsidize it. I think the men will be okay. I think they should subsidize it. I think it should be equal, but I think it should be FIFA wide. And there's a, be, yeah, there's an argument with the whole thing that I've heard that that a lot of women's sports advocates make that if you just treat it the same and fund it the same, it will be equally as popular. And tennis is the uh, tennis is the example is the example skating. right. Right, and and I don't think that that's – it's not quite as good to me, but I still really like it. It's not like like a – like I'm honestly not a huge fan of the WNBA, and I'm not one of these guys who likes to shit all over women's sports or the WNBA. I just don't really like watching it as much as I like men's basketball. Women's soccer is – it's not nearly as fast, but I like it a, a lot. I've I've enjoyed but, going to the Red Stars games I've gone to. I love watching the women's national team. But we've and, had to, but we've grown into that. We weren't that way at first. Oh, absolutely not. No, it took growing into. Yeah, and it took like sort of a. There, there kind of came a point, 
and it, I think it probably happened around the last World Cup win because everybody remembers the 99ers and we all thought that was cool and then no one cared, right? Or, sure. you know, it, it it's sort of happened around the last World Cup where I'm like, I could see myself liking this. And I, I remember thinking about going to a Red Stars game when they were still playing in, in Lyle. Yeah, there was. Which uh, is like Benedictine University. Five minutes like, from my house. I was going to say that was <laughs> and I didn't at that point go. I was still li- at that point I was still living in the apartment. It was um I think it was about not even 2 miles down the road. Yeah. And I didn't go, but I'm like I could think and I didn't I think either. It could be cool. And then this there was kind of a tipping point for me as a, as a male suburban white guy dad. Um Okay. Where after this one I'm like no, I need to go. No. I need to go. And it's been fun and I enjoy it and I will go again. And you have season tickets coming next do, year, so I do have you're all tickets. in. I'm in, and I, you know, for me, the tipping point as the white male suburban dad was, I got to hand it to the Red Stars and the Chicago Fire. They did a doubleheader night. That's what I'm like. That's always smart, yeah. And there and should be more of those. They they do. I mean, I think the one a year is good. I, I because it is a long day. It really it was a long night. And I was just one baseball game. Yeah, but when you at that point I was dealing with I think a what? We're dealing with children. It's it's I I had I had Lizzie and Charlie with me. Yeah, and the the second you know what maybe if the weather was better it would have been because that first game that the second game it was cold. Mm -hmm. It dropped into the 30s and Lizzie and Charlie were freezing even though they had their winter coats, so we didn't last. But because they put that doubleheader together, it was the fire in the timbers in the first game. And then the second game were the Red Stars and the Thorns. Mm-hmm. You better believe it was it was fun to watch, and that got me that got me interested. When the World Women's World Cup came around this time, I was a lot more interested. I'd gotten into watching the W League late night on ESPN Plus. Um, when one of my fir- earlier fo- earliest followers on this show, which was AS Roma's English page, they'd always link to the Roma Women, so I'd started watching that. And next thing you know. Uh, Minnesota's, you know, Minnesota soccer team, the go, the go for women have been made a couple runs in the NCAs, winning the Big Ten as a seven seed last year. Next thing you know, you're right. Is it, it? There is something to be said for, it. and I do, and yeah, now I'm hooked. Yeah, and, you know, it, and like, there was also a point where I, I realized, you know, like maybe I don't like this as much as as watching a men's game. So it's it can't be an all or nothing thing, you know. Like I I prefer watching the premier league or something like that over MLS, but I don't have that that I can go to every week. So, and I still go, right. Cause it's the local thing. Well, the red stars are a local thing. And I actually found it to be in some ways, a more enjoyable experience than going to a fire game, just because fire games have this sort of uh, death atmosphere sitting over them a lot of the time. And the red stars don't, they're a successful team. And, and there's like, I think it's amazing that, the women will, from both teams, will go sign autographs for all the the kids that want an autograph or a photo after sure. the game. I think that's really cool, and I I think the men could take a cue from that, honestly, especially when your crowds are basically in line with that. So, so speaking of the local team, I, I want to throw this out there because this came back of the um, Little Miss what, sub t- subtweet, also known as Ann Kittens. She's one of the brains behind Minneapolis City. Threw this question out, and I, I, I didn't talk about this when, when we were getting ready to record it, so I'm throwing this at you now. I want to see where you take this. You're talking about the local teams. 
what does support local soccer mean to you? I uh, saw that and I thought that was a great question. And you were talking about supporting the local team with the Red Stars and the Fire. So what? So how did? How do? You, what does that mean? What constitutes supporting the local team? I mean, I I, I don't think you have to go cheer for a team in a league just because they're they play near you if you don't feel it you've got to feel it and if you okay. feel it then go spend your money there because people have only have a certain amount of discretionary dollars that that they could spend and the other thing i would say lo- support local soccer is support youth soccer and do if you if we want this game to grow in this country try to you know we love it and and i coach sure. little kids and i try to to make it as fun and enjoyable as possible for those kids so that they want to keep coming back and, and playing. And I, I think that that's another thing that we can do. It's not just, you, you can support it with your, your money or you can support it with your time, but I don't feel like there's this obligation to, um, to go spend your money just because there's a fourth or fifth division team playing near you. And that's just what you're supposed to do to support the game. If go check them out, you know, if, yeah. and if you feel it, continue going. If you don't, you're not under that obligation. I get, and you know what? I guess I can relate to that with like the Aurora Borealis. I tried a couple times. You just weren't feeling it. I wasn't, and I guess Charlie felt it a little. He was into it a little more than I was. But when they shut down, I really and by that point, I was already turned off by them because they decided they were going to try. You know, they're going to attack the fire on social media. Engaging in Twitter wars with the fire. Yeah, yeah, that was not a good look. That it it wasn't. It it came across as petty and childish and. I didn't see, you know, and the other team that does it was um, the Atlanta Silverbacks did that one as they were dying out against Atlanta, you know, Atlanta United. And, you know, and that's, I feel like that's a topic for probably an entire show in and of itself. This whole Twitter, soccer Twitter versus MLS culture or whatever. And I don't know, we'll, we'll touch that one another day. I really don't want to dive because I would take dive deeper into that one. So. But speaking of the fire and the Red Stars, I'm going to kind of go into the next thing. It came out this afternoon that in the Sun-Times and Brian Sandlow. The fire are close to having their lease completed at Soldier Field. Yeah, I think that this was a, a formality that because of the change in the administration in Chicago and because of the way the, the, you know, the wheels work in Chicago, it took ridiculously longer than it should have but I, I think it was a formality and it, you know there were people talking as as early as today before that news came out that maybe they'd have to do another year in Bridgeview or something but or Northwestern or something like that but I you know this is it we're going with Soldier Field and it does make me wonder you know the contrast of what you and I suspect the crowds will look at even if they sell more tickets than they're selling in Bridgeview and I think they probably will what the crowds will look and feel like compared to what the soccer crowd looked like at Soldier Field for Chivas and Club America. And it 61, makes 61,000 smoke flares. Yeah, it makes me realize that it this like is possible. This is possible in Chicago. We could have what Atlanta has. We could have what LAFC or uh, Seattle have. We could do this. But it's going to take a much stronger effort from the club, from the league, to make it relevant again. 
than than they put forward and and they know that i know they know that because moving to soldier field is part of the plan for that so the next step for them whether it's rebrand or not had better be an all-out blitz of on the field talent specifically somebody uh, that's going to appeal to the huge mexican community in chicago would be good coupled with actual aggressive marketing something we haven't seen from the fire in years people don't even realize they they exist anymore and and so if they're going to reboot it and maybe that was part of the plan maybe they wanted to make the fire brand go away the last couple of years because this is part of the long-term vision for for rebooting it in the city but we can have that we can have sixty-one thousand at soldier field with with you know probably not with smoke but an MLS game, but we can have atmosphere and, and a party atmosphere and, and a passionate supporters and big crowds. We can have all that. We're a huge city. It's a matter of, of putting a product out there that people want. And um, now the ball's in their court and they're, they've got the giant stadium. Now go do it. And I've got two. Now here's now you're saying you got to go get some. And I know the name you've thrown out in previous versions of the minivan dad soccer pod. And even on us fan TV, when we, when we go off topic is you always see Chicharito and I hate Chicharito. I hate him. If you're Chicharito, you just really want to, where, where'd he go? Well, Valencia, Sevilla, Valencia, Valencia, Valencia. One of the two, I forget which somebody will look it up and somebody might comment, but um, who knows? Would you want to play on that field ever? Uh, and we're, Three or four weeks from the end of the season. We're one bad Bears game away from that field being destroyed again. I mean, it, I, the football line, that could care less. I, I, I accept they're going to be there. They, they find and, ways to watch teams them are doing a better job these days of, of getting those lines off the field to put soccer lines back on. We, we You couldn't. I mean, they did it for last night's Chivas Club sure. of America game. So, um. Soldier Field is one of the worst fields in the National Football League. Because it's the field is is kept up by amateur city workers. By the park district. Yeah. By 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 guys who probably got their jobs by paying off a daily or a madigan. Well, you know, it, it's did they though? Because I you always oh no, that's I thought the guy for, that's right, the sod father was the white was he the White Sox guy? It's the White Sox, yeah. Okay. That's and right. the Cubs smartly brought him in. Yep. To help when they you know, renovated, at, when they wanted to redo the field at, at Wrigley, um, so there's obviously people that know what they're doing in the city. And I don't. It's Roger Bossard. I don't know if he's still with the Sox or not. I can't. I haven't checked up on him, but he he was obviously incre- you're supposed to track him. Incredibly well known, uh, as well known as a groundskeeper can be. Um, so there's people that could get that stadium to have decent grass. They're just not using them. It's very Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Roger Bossert. Yeah. Yeah. So it, everything looks like he was still. Was he still there? Sox. Yeah. Um, as of last year, I mean, I'm looking at the first. When I link, look, put in Roger Bossert, White Sox. That stadium might be empty, but the grass looks awfully nice down there. So it, and it really, yeah, it really does. I mean, the field's got to be now. Okay, so let's 
You have to market. You have to. You have to win. You have to. Fans come back when you win and you win consistently. Or you, does, have, yeah, or you is, have exciting names that go, and exciting names that go with it. Exciting names remember. only go so far, though, right? Unless it's a, you know, Blanco did a real wonders but as far as I was going to you, you mentioned them before and, you know, the ultimate rebuild being the Cubs. Um, Wrigley Field in the first couple of years of that rebuild were, wasn't full. I mean, no, by, by yeah. Wrigley Field standards, it really was not. Was it better than Sox Park now or Miller Park when the Brewers sure, ran? Yeah. yeah. But by Wrigley standards, it wasn't close. That said, as they were rebuilding, they had young, talented names that they could market on. They had Chris Bryant. They had Anthony Rizzo, Schwarber, Baez, Addison Russell, pre, pre-wife beating. You had a marketable group that they did. And that was the marketing blitz. They got them out. Or the or the Hawks, when, as they became good with, with Kane before he decided to go rape somebody, and, you know, and, and Taves. Duncan Keith. I mean, you had marketable players as you got good. So you got to win, though. And you got to win for a bit. And this team has been bad for so long. I still enjoy going. Not going to say I don't, but you got to win. And my concern is, as they make this move, and we've talked about this a little bit, 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 we're seeing now in that stadium. Yeah, it's... And you'll you'll automatically get a little bit of a boost just because sure you're in the easier city. for some people to get to you know a, a good we are, we are not two of them we are not but you know if you live on the north side of Chicago it's dramatically easier to get to Soldier Field than it is to Bridgeview sure um, and I think that's the type of fan that that MLS is targeting now it's not suburban parents it's young urban professionals you know like like portland or seattle or whoever we're seeing i I don't know what the crowds largely look like in atlanta honestly but no um but atlanta is probably the best example because they do have other sports teams and they're battling those people are you know the the teams are battling for people's discretionary dollars and 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 the sounders are another yeah seattle too um it's not like a Portland or Orlando where there's only a, a team or two in town, you know? Um, but um, I don't know, man, like there, it, it's a crowded landscape here and Chicago sort of like New York is it's, it's a chore to get places. Sure. And so I you, agree. You, it's not just an investment in money. It's an investment in time. Like I, is this I really think worth bigger my time? For- it's the yeah. bigger investment it, for for us will be it's time. I mean, there's mm-hmm. yeah investment in in I guess it'll be money too because the Soldier Field parking will cost more than taking the family to the game. But again, they would be idiots if they charged bears or concert prices for parking at that place. If for the fire, they have to go twenty bucks. It's it's like if you go to the museum, it's twenty bucks to park at Soldier Field. Sure. They need to keep it at that for fire games for now until they start seeing crowds. Or they you have, or you know, or you know you have a big draw. Right. They won't because that's right. I'd be surprised at least. But like if you had Zlatan coming in or Wayne Rooney before he left, something like that, where you know you're going to get a crowd. That's when you'd see a jack jump up. But yeah. I guess the time will tell. Like I said, I know I've said it before on this show. To, you know, and probably it, 
I won't renew my season tickets. I'll just pick my tickets up because I know they're not going to fill that stadium. There'll always be plenty of tickets available, and I'm yeah. not concerned about paying full price for them. That's why so, I've never gotten them in Bridgeview. I mean, it is you get the perks, you get the parking, you get the you know, the twenty percent off concessions, but the tickets are always available, and the place usually doesn't sell out. So, sure. and it's now going to be even easier. And, and, and I sh- I'm sure they're closing off parts of Soldier Field, but still, it's going to be percent of it. Yeah, you would think, yeah. So, I hear Schweinsteiger might be coming back, though. I don't blame him. I mean, I, I if he uh, gets the same type of pay, newborn? yeah, probably doesn't want to move yet. He seems to be enjoying his time in the states. I love him. I'm glad he's here. He is nowhere near. Like he, he is in the soccer world, a, a huge name, but it, it, it does. I've always found this funny that like he's by far the most famous athlete in Chicago, if you're counting as far as Twitter followers well, or Instagram and followers. Glo- I was going to say, and global, not- global right. notoriety. Yeah. And he walks around unnoticed all the time, according to his Instagram, because he's not Trubitsky or Khalil Mack or Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane or Rizzo yeah, O'Brien. Rizzo yeah, like O'Brien, yeah. Guys who are far more Chicago famous are considerably less globally famous but you think that's part of the appeal for him oh for sure young family he's still making some good money i i I can't help but think though that he would rather be winning he doesn't strike me as a a guy who's just coming here to cash checks and and you know i i think he actually he's he's you know been a winner his whole career he's one of only it's what less than about 60 guys that have won both the world cup and the champions league. Sure. So it's, he's not a guy who probably tolerates losing well, but at the same time for his family and for his personal life, it, it makes a lot of sense to play here. And I can't thank him enough for coming here. Cause it's given me and you and a lot of people, something to cheer for at a time for the, where the fire weren't giving us a lot of things to cheer for. So and I agree. Although he did make Charlie sad the other night with Why? all his, well, who is opening night for the Bears? The Packers. Mm-hmm. Charlie is a Packers fan. So when he saw That's the clips of Schweinsteiger, it is my fault, and I take full credit, and I am very proud of that. Charlie is also a shareholder in the Packers. Yeah. So when, this, he, saw the Schweinsteiger, when he saw the Schweinsteiger things, it, it did bum him out for a minute. And he goes, he could like the Packers. I'm like, Charlie, he, he lives in Chicago. Well, he can go to Green Bay. No. But he's not going no, to. Can't. So we, but we, I settled him down. I said, but you, I said, you like other teams. I said, you like the Cubs. I like the White Sox. He goes, well, yeah. So we, you get dividends on those shares, by the way. What's that? You getting dividends on those, those shares, by the way? No. Ask me no. if I paid for them to begin just, with. No. It's just a piece of paper. Yeah. I got mine from my grandfather. My Charlie got his from his grandfather. So yeah, it's kind of, it kind of looks cool hanging on a wall. That's what every Packers fan tells me. And you get a vote, and if you want to go to the annual shareholders meeting, you can do that. I never have because I've really never had the the desire to do so. But anyway, all right, moving on. The Staying turf the still looks better for some reason up there. What's that? The turf still looks better up there than it does at Soldier Field. <laughs> well, this is true. <laughs> um, came out today. I saw somewhere that Sacramento Republic looks like they're going to be what twenty? Will that be twenty nine? Yeah, uh, that's not surprising. They deserve it as far as 
they know, finally if, got the they finally got the investors in. Yeah, if fan support at a lower level equals you get an MLS team, they definitely deserve it. And and I, I you know I've always equated Sacramento Republic to what the Houston Texans wound up being. They were there forever. We're ready. We're ready now. As ready as they were, they never had the money up until about a year ago. And it sounds like that was they had the billionaire finally involved that was willing to spend, build it, you know, pay for not only the expansion fee, pay for the stadium and be done with it. And so they're going to be 29. Yeah, that should be good for the earthquakes, too. It should spark some life into that with a rivalry. So hopefully it does. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, because earthquakes now are what? It's California Classic or whatever they call it. And with with the LA Galaxy, but that kind of took a backseat when El Trafico started. So mm-hmm. El Trafico is a that's a legit rivalry. That's got a that's you know what though, but for year but for years, the earthquakes in the Galaxy War because of Landon Don- Land Donovan. Yeah, the Landon well Landon Derby for lack of a better term. So drinking fountain Derby, but um, <laughs> but yeah, that what those those uh, El Trafico games on TV are fun. And Zlatan's motivated to play in those, so um, a, a motivated Zlatan is entertaining. Very, very, very true. So, so we're looking at twenty nine. And yeah, I, I think that's fine. Any any predictions on thirty? Hmm. I don't know. It, although I will say, it does seem like the Phoenix market should absolutely have a team by now. I don't ever hear grumblings that they will. From a TV market standpoint, that's a way big one to ignore. Well, you hear them, and the one it seems like Phoenix keeps getting passed over for that it seems like they want is Charlotte. You know, five or six years ago, I would have said it's ridiculous to put a soccer team in the southeast. It'll never work, but I was wrong about that. But so, they now have, well, they now have, it'll be, that would be, be the three, fourth, right? four. Atlanta. Orlando, 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 Atlanta. Counting Orlando, yeah. It, it, Atlanta Gold, and Nashville, Gold, obviously. Gold, so. And then Team Golden Balls. Yeah, that's pretty far south. That's a different deal. But it's still, the, I mean, you're still in that gen, yeah, that region, I guess. I mean, it's still the southeast. I get it. It's Florida. It's its own. Miami's more Latin America than it is like the good old boy southeast. Oh, that, I, good, that's true. That's true. And the other one you hear is Vegas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that seems like those are going to be the next. It seems like they've gotten the teams, the cities that we kind of thought were coming taken care of. And now the next one might actually be some kind of surprise. But um, perhaps St. Louis and Sacramento and Nashville and, and Golden Balls in Miami all seem like they were coming. And I, I don't know where they're going to go now. And that but. and that's the thing. With 30, you really don't. There is there isn't. I mean, you, you the only. Seeing Sacramento get one is kind of cool because I that was the one you always felt that like if somebody's going to get passed over, it's going to be Sacramento because it even though their support mm-hmm. for the Republic has been amazing for years, you know, you're getting into that. So, yeah, I mean, from my homer, for lack of a better term, standpoint, I want it to be Phoenix. I think they're doing great things with that with that club. I've been out to those and I've talked mm-hmm. about it, I've been out to the games out there. It's a lot of fun. They they can take that field down, or they have enough room where they can put a stadium up and still have that field. And it's going to be on the same site. I mean, they have everything ready. I don't know about the depth of the pockets. I've never heard anything, but that they do have deep pocketed owners. So I'd like to hope they have enough to do it. 
Yeah, it seems like a logical step. You, you've got to have you've got to have Phoenix included. So um, I didn't mention Cincinnati. I realized when I was mentioning all the logical teams, and that's obviously one of them. So true. Um, it's true. Uh, all the logical, the, like the ones that were that made sense. You know, I, I think it's got to be Phoenix, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know who's the strongest contenders after that. Obviously, MLS wants to see. Besides the franchise fee of what is it now, two hundred million? Two hundred um, million. Besides that, which is the thing they probably want to see the most, they they want to see you know stadium information that makes it seem like you're not going to have another bridge view on your hands. Um, investors that that seem like they're solid on solid footing, which makes sense. So you know, and and I'm going to touch on this briefly because we're 56 minutes and I said I wanted to keep it close to an hour so I'm quitting in four minutes no matter what is that every you know you always the the soccer twitters that hate the MLS always say it's a Ponzi scheme they need the these expansion fees which means they really don't understand what it, and I saw a good explanation of how expansion fees work and we've talked a little bit about when you start taking the expand that 200 million and dividing it up amongst what is it now? Twenty with Sacramento will be twenty-eight other owners. It only pays for about a year's salary, year's payroll. It doesn't even pay that much. What you're paying for is you're paying your membership fee to buy in. To you're paying for somebody like Anschutz, who went from having owning fifty percent of the league and fifty percent of the rights to Soccer United marketing, fifty percent of everything in that league. Now he's down to what four or five percent. Mm-hmm. So it offsets the money that they are giving up in that. Yeah, it's mitigating the risk a little further, diluting the risk a little further. But everybody says the the profitable piece, the reason why you buy into MLS is because you get Soccer United marketing, and that's where the money is made. But you're diluting that every time you expand to another team. So I guess that's kind of... And at some point... They're gonna have to go to some kind of promotion and relegation scheme. Whether like, I, I, it's gonna Do be a go? closed, it's gonna be a closed system. Do they? You can't have forty teams. Why not? An east, an eastern, and a western. You play one. You no like like USL right now. You don't cross over. You play the east. You play the west. Your champions play in the final. So you're gonna have a situation where a Zlatan never comes to play in New York City or. Chicago. Or you have, or you, or you set it up like the NFL does. You cross over to one division. You, you getting, you get very, very Americanized tables. But you could do it. It's doable. But I guess we'll find out. I don't think they go to. I don't think they go to forty. I think thirty-two. That seems if they like go, they, if that, that seems to be the number. That's sixteen in a conference. That's where you can start looking at division. You know, I don't know. It's MLS. They'll do what they want, and we'll probably just keep watching it because it's there. There's also the whole merger with the Mexican League thing that's out there. That uh, good point could blow everything up. So if you if you're looking for cash, that's the play. Yep. And as we All saw right. in Chicago this week, um, that can inject instant atmosphere into a lot of places. So Chicago. So when Chicago United FC rhythm. And blues or whatever against Chivas might draw a crowd, is what you're saying? 
tell me that that's not going to be the team. I have no idea. I just throw them all together. Okay. (laughs) You just made that up because I'm like, oh, my God, did they really float that? I I forgot what they floated, but the original team name before Peter Wilt decided, screw you, I don't like it, it was Chicago Rhythm. So I do remember that, yes, but I was talking about the rebrand. I don't. I, I, it was like Chicago City, I thought. Yeah. yeah, which is the same name as like, there's a youth club. Correct. With the same name. That's a lot. That will, that will make some money on that. Yeah. So, all right, one quick topic, and then we're going to call it a night because we're at an hour. Is okay. Well, because I I, we did talk about the Phoenix Rising and their prospects for MLS. 18 wins in a row. That's incredible. Not just 18 undefeated, 18 straight up wins. And then their success on dollar and dollar beer night, which is absolutely amazing. They don't lose in dollar beer night and haven't for years, even to the point where Bud Light did a commercial with it. You know what? That's another way to inject atmosphere. Dollar beer nights. Yeah. Or disco demolition. We could go down that road again. Mm hmm. So I just wanted to acknowledge that with the Phoenix Rising and just how, that's how I mean I, are they outspending? I mean are they that so that being the case? Do you you know do are they being are they out? Co- I I've watched them and I don't I'm not sure quite what why <laughs> other than they have a lot of talent on their roster for a USL side. Um, I mean. If you're when when Panovich ultimately gets let go, or is Rick Shant somebody who's been coaching the Rising for the last year and a half? Is that somebody who gets a look? Would would you be would that be somebody you should be on the top of anybody's list at this point? Yeah, sure. I'm all in on Jill Ellis, but um... I you know what, and I am too. You know, we talk, I I think Chris and I mentioned that when she decided to leave, I'm like, if I'm the fire, I'd definitely give her an interview. I mean. To, to manage that the egos that she did with that women's with the women's World Cup team, there are definitely some large personalities, and she did a great job of managing that part of the game. So yeah, I I agree about Jill Ellis. So anyway, all right, 61 minutes. Final thoughts. I'm just glad to be here on the minivan dad soccer pod. And I'm glad to have you back, even if it's on a one day that we're paying you in goldfish crackers. So. Again, this is Minivan Dad Soccer Pod at Minivan Dad Pod. You can find me at, at TJ Zarembo. You can find him at, was it Patrick McCraney? It is indeed. Or at US Fan TV. Conspiracy Chris will probably be. Generally Chris running that, so watch out what's coming out of that channel, these that handle these days. Don't be afraid. Be very afraid of the US Fan TV because it is Conspiracy Chris, the soccer bright part. So thanks everybody for joining or for listening and we can, I guess I forgot to say we can be I can be found on not only SoundCloud and iTunes but I did expand it's Google Play it's Spotify it, it is out there You're now. in all the places now I I am I I figured out technology I guess you can teach an old dog new tricks once in a while so find it on one of the, on your favorite podcast and give it a listen pass it on to your friends hopefully we'll be a little more consistent and be back soon Thanks for listening, everybody. Do you remember the minivan dad's a rimba? He's got a minivan.